Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is Friday, March 3rd already. Hard to believe. Time's going by that fast. And we're broadcasting you again today here from beautiful but very wet Jefferson City, Missouri, with the Missouri Funeral Directors Association weekly pod video cast. Uh, update on uh, how we're doing here at the office uh, with our wonderful friends at the uh, internet company. Uh, they kept insisting, the one, current ones we currently have, kept insisting that there's nothing wrong. They ran the test. Uh, we we're getting all the speed we're supposed to get, blah, 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 blah. Uh, then we set up the uh, the laptop right literally next to the Wi-Fi router and uh, showed them how we are not getting anywhere close to the speeds uh, that we're supposed to get and how it keeps cutting out. So they said, oops, well, uh, yeah, I guess uh, maybe we need to do a, a change your uh, your software on your uh, on your system. Uh, I guess they changed the software when Brightspeed took over and it's not working really well, at least not for us. So we're going to see how this works uh, and hopefully things are better. Now, the uh, substance of the talk for today is an oldie but a goodie, but by golly, we had a half dozen calls on this this week, easy and a couple more last week. And it is what to do with excess money on an irrevocable pre-need contract. The backup, uh, there are several legitimate reasons somebody might want to make a pre-need contract irrevocable. Okay. Uh, there are, there, there, there can, there, I don't do tax stuff, but I've heard there's tax reasons. Somebody might want to do it. You could have family dispute reasons. Uh, but obviously the most common one, somebody makes a irrevocable pre-need contract, when they take it out and they make it irrevocable, the most common reason is to qualify for public assistance because Missouri has very low limits on how many assets that you can have to qualify for public assistance. If you have too many assets, you don't get the public assistance. Now, of course, the, the big one that a lot of people are always uh, hoping to get is the subsidized nursing home bed, but there's a lot more than that. There's a lot more to public assistance than just the subsidized nursing home bed. So, uh, but that's why, uh, at least with the in, in the funeral arena, that's why most people would make the contract irrevocable is to qualify for public assistance. And if you take a look at chapter 436, it allows for that. It says at any time, you don't have to do it when the contract's entered into, at any time, the purchaser, the purchaser, okay, can waive their rights to any refunds of any funds or insurance. Oh, knock something over there. Uh, so that's in chapter 436. And where that is important is when you go over to chapter 208, which is a very big chapter. It covers all of the public assistance statutes in Missouri. And the key one here, chapter 280, paragraph 4. We just there. Yeah. Uh, in determining the eligibility of the amount of benefits to be granted pursuant to federally aided programs, the value of burial lots or any amounts placed into an irrevocable prearranged funeral or burial contract under Chapter 436 shall not be taken into account or considered as an asset us of the burial lot owner or the beneficiary of the irrevocable prearranged funeral contract. Okay. So if you set money aside in a prepaid funeral plan that has been made irrevocable where you've waived any rights to to getting a refund, if you've done that, then when family services starts adding up all of your assets, 
the chapter 436 preemie plan doesn't count towards that. And as you can see, there's no limit on how much you put in there. All right. There is no cap on that sentence. Don't be confused with if you look at this later on down, there's a, a paragraph near the a sentence near the end of that paragraph. that talks about a $10,000 that does not apply to a chapter 436 contract. It does not. So the person could put in 15, 20,000 away if they want to. And it does not count uh, against them for public uh, assistance. It's not considered an asset. So that's the first thing there. If somebody is wanting to do this with your funeral home, okay, there's two things right off the bat that you need to make sure that everybody understands. Actually, three things. First off, whose money is paying for the pre-need? Whose money is paying for the pre-need? Because this is to qualify the beneficiary of the pre-need for public assistance. So if the purchaser and the beneficiary are not the same human being and the purchaser is using the purchaser's own money to pay for a funeral for the beneficiary, family services should never consider that an issue because that is not an asset revocable or irrevocable of the beneficiary. It's the purchaser's money. The purchaser has given their own money. If I buy a prenade for my parents, and I use my own money, not their money. I use my own money to prepay for a funeral for my parents. That's not something that family services should be worried about at all because I'm the one that gave the money. It wasn't my parents' money. And if I want to cancel the contract, my parents don't get the money back. I get the money back. See, that's why it needs to be made irrevocable in these situations because family services is worried that somebody might cash it in after they've qualified for public assistance and walk away with the money. And you can't do that. That's, you know, called Medicaid fraud. So you can't do get things like that. Uh, so if it's not the beneficiary's money that is being used to prepay for the funeral, there may not be any need to make this irrevocable. Of course, they need to, every situation is different. People need to check with their own advisors and things like that. But if it's if they're trying to qualify the beneficiary for public assistance, if that's the plan, and it is the purchaser's money, then that's not going to be an asset under any circumstances. It should be anyway, uh, because it's not the beneficiary's money. Now, if somebody is using the beneficiary's money, then... Yes, you may need to, the family services may say you need to make that irrevocable. Uh, you might have a power of attorney for your parents, uh, or you might have your name is on a joint checkbook, checking account with the parents, and you're using your parents' money, even though you're the one signing everything because you're the one that has the power of attorney to sign stuff, or you have the right to access that money on their behalf. It's still the parents' money that's using to pay for that funeral. Then that is a situation where you would probably, uh, be told by family services, you need to lock that up in an irrevocable contract. So that's the first thing you need to watch out for is, oh, whose money is it that we're dealing with? The second thing is, uh, assuming that it is the beneficiary's money and that the uh, reason they're doing this is because they want to qualify the person for public assistance, is that person going on public assistance right now? This week, next month, public assistance. If they're not, there's no reason 
to do the irrevocable contract right now because chapter 436, as already pointed out, says you can make the contract irrevocable at any time. Chapter 208 doesn't care when you do it. It just says it's irrevocable. So that is the second thing that everybody needs to know. If somebody's if there's if somebody comes in and says, well, we need to make this contract irrevocable so that uh, grandma can get into the uh, subsidized nursing home bed. Well, that's great. That's good thinking on their part. Uh, is she going into the subsidized nursing home bed now? No, no, no. She's still living at home. We're just planning ahead. We think maybe six months or a year from now, this is going to be necessary. And we just want to get this all taken care of right now since everybody's here in town and we've been talking about it. Well, that's smart of that family. That's a good thinking family, but they don't need to make the contract irrevocable right now. They can wait until just before they have that meeting with family services to determine what the assets are. Then they can make it irrevocable. Okay. The last thing that everybody needs to understand in that room when somebody's making a contract irrevocable is when you make a contract irrevocable, you can't revoke it. That's the er part of irrevocable. You can't revoke an irrevocable contract. That's what it means. Okay. If you take a look at that standard language that I think is almost every pre-need contract, when you make that irrevocable, as and it's it's lifted out of uh, other contracts as well. It's a very standard thing that's used. Uh, it says right on there, and it says in the statute, you waive any right to any refund. It's an irrevocable contract. You can't revoke it. You won't get a refund. Now, so that's, uh, everybody needs to understand that. And that's another reason why, of course, if you don't have to make it irrevocable right now, don't make it irrevocable right now, because that because of that, the uh, purchaser loses you know, some of the power, some of the rights they have over that money when they don't need to because they didn't need to make it irrevocable right now. So that, again, is the uh, third thing that everybody in the room needs to understand when somebody's doing a uh, irrevocable pre-need contract. All right. Now, the person's passed away and family comes in and says, well, instead of doing that $15,000 funeral, that uh, grandma had paid for, we've all gotten together and we decided we're going to do the uh, $1,000 cremation, whatever it is. Send, give me a check for that other $14,000. The answer is no, that, that's, that's not going to happen. Okay. Let's read on. Let's read on in uh, chapter 208-010, uh, paragraph four. Uh, if a beneficiary, as defined in chapter 436, of an irrevocable prearranged funeral or burial contract receives any public assistance benefits pursuant to this chapter. And if the purchaser of such contract or his or her successors in interest transfer, amend, or take any other such actions regarding the contract so that any person would be entitled to a refund, such refund shall be paid to the state of Missouri. So no, uh, if they come in and they want to downgrade the funeral, the next of kin could have the right to do that. Go back to my uh, right of sepulcher videos uh, when you, when you want to check on all that. Uh, but uh, it's, it's who controls what? All right. But let's say that the family has the right to change that funeral. The person in front of you has the right to change that funeral from a full blown funeral to a cremation. In my example, that other $14,000 is going to need to go to the state of Missouri. Specifically, it goes to the third-party liability unit of Mo HealthNet. And if you need to have that address, just call me up. I'll let you know where to send that check and the information they want. Now, what if the family says, well, Grandma was never on public assistance? How do you know that? 
Well, family told me. Mm. How does the family know that? First off, is the family telling you the truth? Okay. We all know there are many honest people out there, and we all know there are many less than honest people out there. So how do you know that grandma was not on public assistance? Well, the family said, well, even if the family's honest, how do they know? Well, she was never in the nursing home. Well, public assistance is not just the subsidized nursing home bed. Here's the statute. Look at it. This is, that was one paragraph. That's one section of the statute. And here's how many sections of the statute there are. Each one of those lines is a paragraph bigger than that one that I just said. So there are a lot of things that might qualify as public assistance, and that's what family services does, is they determine whether or not somebody was on fam, uh, public assistance. So the family may not even know if the person was on public assistance. And if um, you pay money out when you weren't supposed to, the state of Missouri can come back and get that from you again. So if you gave that family that $14,000 in my example, and 10 years from now, Family Services figures it out and said, hey, you shouldn't have given them that money. That was a nice gift you gave that family. Give us back $14,000 again, plus interest. And there's no statute of limitations on this. They can come after you, you know, a long, long time. Okay, so you don't want to give out money. But let's go back to that statute and read the next sentence. I clicked off it, so I got to go back to it because I want to read this exactly as it is. All right, get back to chapter 208-010. There's lots of paragraphs, subparagraphs in here. And what we're looking at is the big paragraph four, not the little paragraph four that's in parentheses. But anyway, after it says uh, you send that money back to the state of Missouri, okay, it says we'll be entitled to refund. Such refund shall be paid to the state of Missouri with any amount in excess of the public assistance benefits provided under this chapter to be refunded by the state of Missouri to the purchaser or his or her successors. So it's the state of Missouri's job to determine whether or not that person had public assistance. Okay, so you would send that $14,000 to the state of Missouri. If the state of Missouri says we want all of it, they keep all of it. The state of Missouri says, well, this person uh, only used $10,000 worth of public assistance. It's their responsibility to send for a check for $4,000 back to the successors uh, or persons of interest of the beneficiary. Now, we do know in some instances, the family services, instead of doing what the statute specifically says, that the, the they're supposed to refund any money that the state of Missouri doesn't want to the family, they've sent it back to the funeral home. And said, we don't want it. This person wasn't on public assistance. Well, in that case, all right. You can go ahead and give that money back to the family. But be sure to keep a copy of that letter from the state of Missouri that says we don't want the money. Okay? Make sure you keep a copy of that letter where they sent the money back to you. So the safest thing and the only thing that I can uh, comfortably recommend to any funeral home in these circumstances is on an irrevocable premium contract where the... For some reason, they've changed the mix of goods and services. The casket they wanted isn't available anymore, so they had to pick one that was cheaper, whatever the case may be. Anytime that there's money left over on an irrevocable pre-need contract that's not going to the final disposition, should be sent to the state of Missouri, to the third-party liability unit of MoHealthNet. If they send it back to you, say we don't want it, fine. 
Otherwise, it's going to be up to the state of Missouri to take what they want out of it and send it to the family. Okay, so there is that. One last twist on this, of course, uh, uh, is if the all these rules I just applied to the family coming in changing the contract apply to the purchaser changing the contract. So the person who bought the contract is still alive and the beneficiary is still alive. Maybe they're the same person even, and they want to change the contract. Well, they can change the mix of goods and services all they want. That's no problem. Okay. I bought a pre-need for myself and I'm getting old. Uh, not yet, but someday. And uh, I made it irrevocable. And then a month later I decided, you know what? I don't want this. I don't want this service here. I want this service here. Yeah. The person could go in and amend that. That's no problem. But if that amendment results in there's money that's not going to be spent on the new final disposition, you can't give a refund. That's what irrevocable means. You waive any rights to refund from funds or insurance. It says right in there. Okay. Um, one last twist that we had pop up uh, this uh, last week for a couple of funeral homes is where the there was a life insurance policy where the funeral home had been made the beneficiary. In one instance, in one instance, uh, the funeral home knew about it. Uh, they knew about it, and so they did the right thing. They went out and had the family sign a pre-need contract. Good job, funeral home, because that's what the state of Missouri says you should do. If you're aware that someone has made you the beneficiary of a life insurance policy, then you need to go and approach that person. Don't just stay, if, if they, you know, they come by your funeral home, they drop off a copy of the insurance policy that says that you were made the beneficiary. That's not good enough. You need to track that person down and get them to enter into a chapter 436 pre-need contract. That's what the state of Missouri has said that you need to do. If that person refuses to enter into a chapter 436 contract and they've still made you the beneficiary, you need to get them to sign a piece of paper that says they refuse to enter into a chapter 436 pre-need contract. If the person refuses, you can't make this stuff up. You really can't. If the person refuses to sign a piece of paper saying they refuse to sign a chapter 436 pre-need contract, you need to be able to document that you presented them with the opportunity to sign a chapter 436 pre-need contract and an opportunity to sign a letter saying they wouldn't sign a chapter 436 contract and keep that in your file. Okay. So again, the funeral home did the right thing. They tracked the person down. They had them sign a chapter 436 pre-need contract. Uh, insurance, sometimes it can be different than if you've got trusts or if you've got a joint account. Because depending on how the insurance company set things up and depending upon whether or not it was a change in beneficiary or an assignment and whether or not there were contingent beneficiaries, one of two things could happen. You could send your bill into the insurance company. The insurance company sends you a check for the entire amount of the insurance policy and there's money left over. Well, in that case, you follow just the rules we talked about because that statute right there says waive any right to any funds or insurance. Boom. Sometimes, however, depending on how everything was done, you send a bill. I'm going to just make up some numbers. It was a $10,000 life insurance policy. The funeral only cost $8,000. You send them the bill. The, the uh, insurance company sends you a check for $8,000. Perfect. Great. You're covered. You got your bill paid. What happens to that other $2,000? 
That's up to the insurance company. That's not your problem. Hopefully the insurance company understands Missouri law and hopefully the insurance company does the right thing with that money per the law and their contract, but it's not your problem. Okay. So anytime that you're dealing with an insurance beneficiary change or an assignment change, check into it. Many times if you do an assignment, the insurance company will only send you the money that you actually bill for those funeral goods and services, and then they'll deal with the rest. With a beneficiary change, more often they send you the whole amount. So again, if you want to not have to deal with the hassle, if there's a chance that there's any money left over, it can. It, different companies are different. I hate to say there was one standard way of doing it, but check into it. Because very often if you do the assignment, if that's possible, you won't have to deal with the hassle of getting the money back. And then extra money and what to do with it. Uh, the, the last instance we had this week is the funeral home was not aware that they had been made the beneficiary of the pre-need contract. Okay. Uh, and so they got a check. Well, that's no problem. They did not know. That's no problem from the state board because the state board recognizes that there are situations where a funeral home might be made the beneficiary and nobody told the funeral home. Okay. So that's a, uh, that you're not going to get in trouble for that. It's if you know that they did that, then you have to go try to track them down to get a pre-need contract. But if just one day a check winds up in the mail from an insurance company because they found out you were the beneficiary on a pre-need contract and you didn't know about that before the person died, state board's not going to get angry about that, okay? Because they understand there's nothing you can do. That wasn't your fault. But once again, what if there's more money there than was spent on the funeral? Well, Chapter 436 takes care of that as well, of course, uh, because uh, it does say that uh, any excess insurance funds uh, that uh, on a non-guaranteed contract uh, that, uh, uh, and of course, this is all, it, the, the law is pretty clear. You don't get to, you, you don't, you don't, you, either, either through Chapter 436, Chapter 208, or what's called unjust enrichment, uh, you don't get to pocket extra money. <laughs> Very rarely is there such a thing as free money. Okay, so uh, you, you know we're we're not we're not pocketing a you know you're not getting a hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy and you did a ten thousand dollar funeral and you get to keep the other ninety thousand. Uh, that's that's yeah. Good luck with that. That's not going to work. Uh, but uh, in any case, uh, it is kind of a more gray area of the law what you do with that excess. All right, because. Chapter 208 specifically talks about a Chapter 436 pre-need contract. If the person's already died and you get a money from insurance, it doesn't talk about that situation in that statute. Now, what happened in that instance is if that person was on public assistance, if that person was on public assistance and family services okayed them going on public assistance without having a Chapter 436 pre-need contract, family services made a mistake. Because the law makes it very clear that it is supposed to be a Chapter 436 pre-need contract for this to all kick in. So if Family Services said it's okay, you can go on public assi assistance because you made the funeral home the beneficiary and they did not require a Chapter 436 pre-need contract, Family Services messed up in that case. They shouldn't have done that. But what do you do now you got the money? Well, the safest thing is still to send it to the third-party liability unit. Once again, you may be holding money that belongs to the state of Missouri, and you want the state of Missouri to be the ones that say, we don't want it. Well, this is uh, we'll see how this, how this plays out. See if it recorded well. I know we had a couple blips, but much better than last time, I think. So uh, let us know. Give us feedback if it's showing up, if you can hear me, understand me, and see me. Uh, 
whether you like what you see or don't like what you see, uh, let us know how the transmission part of it went. And until next time, stay safe.